All right, well, hey, good morning, New Life Church. Let's make our way back to a seat. Again, thank you for rolling with the changes of uh, meeting in here. I know it's different, but uh, we get, get a little mixture of both. like it. I uh, like the openness of the gym, like the closeness of this room. So uh, we're just under, uh, unfortunately, we're not under our own uh, rules. We, uh, there are things in motion. I, I keep telling you that every week. That just You know how things can be sometimes with insurance companies and uh, bids from contractors. And so that's what the owners are telling us. It's in motion, but we make the most of it and choose to see the good in, in this. I, so anyway, we're here, you're here. Uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, let's see, I gotta, get it, I gotta go ahead and get it out there. Uh, who, who are Falcons? Who are Falcons? Okay, okay. Well, at least we're not segregated. We're, we're blending in. Okay. Uh, how about Patriots? Oh, very few hands. Very few hands for the, uh, somebody are doing the double-handed thing back there. All right. Uh, who doesn't even care? Oh, okay, okay. There you go. There you go. Who's going who's gonna to actually attempt to watch it in the, in, around the sacred hot wing basket that you're probably going to eat? Yeah, okay. Well, at least you're honest. At least you're honest. Huh? Going to watch the hot wings. Make sure yours don't get taken. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what a tremendous uh, morning. What a tremendous morning so far. God touching us, healing us. A reminder of that throughout the worship time. Uh, and a reminder in the prayers that's been prayed so far. And uh, just a, a great, great reminder that no matter who's on TV or who's playing, or who's not, Jesus is on the throne. Amen? And we've got to remember to keep that front and center and remember what, what, what that's all about. And so it's always good when we're together, uh, how good and how pleasant it is when God's people are together in unity, and there is unity in the house today. I feel it, I sense it, I know it, and it's good. It's a good place to be spiritually for us as a congregation well, listen, let me invite you to open up uh, your Bibles to two places. First, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, and then New Testament, Matthew chapter 4. Isaiah 55, and then Matthew chapter 4. Last week uh, was a big weekend for us as a church. Uh, we started the weekend off on, on the Saturday with Team Day. A lot of our leaders, our volunteers coming together. Uh, to just be more committed at being stronger together in our mission uh, as a church and dedicating ourselves to serve the Lord with a, with a whole heart and mind and soul and strength. And then off, on Sunday was Heart for the House Sunday, a celebratory day, as we worshiped and celebrated what God's doing in our church and how He's using our church and the different lives He's touching and in the different ways we're discipling one another and helping to grow in the Lord. And so great, great weekend last weekend. Uh, the theme uh, for the year that we, we uh, kind of led up to for, the, for Heart for the House is Great Expectations having great expectations for the Lord, and, for, and God has great expectations for us, His people. So if you were not here last weekend, um, last Sunday, check out our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. You can go to the sermon section, pull up that message, 
and uh, you can get caught up on what's happening and the vision that God has uh, before us for this year of 2017. And um, so I'm excited about what lies ahead. And, and just, again, the worship this morning, just challenging yet stirring in our hearts. You know, worship is the, the time of worship in, in, in our church service is not just to kind of fill some space, fill some time till, till the preacher gets up to preach. Um, it, it's really a time for us to really uh, focus our, our thought, focus our heart, focus our attention, really our devotion, to bring it all back front and center to the cross, to the cross of Jesus, the sacrifice he made, and to who he is, the Son of God, and, and what he's done for us. He gave his life to forgive us and make us whole and to redeem us and all those things. And it's powerful. It's a good time to be reminded of that. And, and, um, and that, that last, that final part of that song we were singing, God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me vision and give me wisdom, he said. And I love that, Aaron, you sang that this morning. Uh, and I know you started out by yourself on that song, but the Lord just wanted me to tell you this morning in a gentle way that that, that was your prayer, and he hears it. And you ask God for wisdom, and you ask God for help, and you ask him for vision. Help me to see the way you see. Help me to know what you want from my life. And as you sang that, I just felt the Holy Spirit just say, I'm answering that in your life. God said, I'm going to answer that in your life. And when at times in your life when you don't know what to pray, or you don't know what to, what to think, God just says, sing that, because that's a prayer. God, I look to you. When you feel overwhelmed, the Bible says in Psalms that when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, the rock of Jesus, the rock of Christ. And, and so the Lord just wanted you to know that he hears you, that when things might seem confusing or topsy-turvy or maybe feel out of sorts at times, just sing that. Just sing that, and God says he's going to use you to continue to be a light and an example. Even though in your mind you know you've made mistakes, even though you know you've fallen short, the Lord says, I redeem you, and I make you new. I make all things new, and I'm about to do a brand new thing in your heart and in your life for this new season of life for you. And God just says, look to me as you sing, and he says, I will answer you. Amen? You receive that? Amen? We can all receive that, right? We can all benefit from that. So that's it's a good good promise from Scripture. Let's uh, let's look at um, today. I want to talk to us today um, for the next few minutes about having a kingdom mind, having a kingdom mind. Isaiah fifty five verse eight and nine. God declares this. He says, "My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts," says the Lord, "and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth." So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Let's flip over to the New Testament, Matthew 4, verse 1. We're going to read about 10, 10 verses through this story. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted, and he became very hungry. During that time the devil came said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then, verse 5, the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. 
For the scriptures say, He, God, will order His angels to protect you. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. The devil even knows some scripture. Verse 7, Jesus responded, Well, the scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Verse 8, next, he's relentless in this, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said, I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. Verse 10, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil went away. And the angels came, and they took care of Jesus. Let's pray over this word today. God, we look to you. You're where our help comes from. You're where our, vi- our vision, our wisdom comes from. And today, as we open your word, we ask you to give us that, to speak to us, to shine your light on it, and show us in our own life how we need to apply this, your word. I ask that you'd give us grace to understand it, a spirit of revelation and understanding, and help me to deliver it in the way and the manner in which it needs to be done. And I thank you for your great and powerful, your deep love, your deep love that touches all of our hearts. And that's what I pray, that your love would te- touch all of us today. Touch us all in the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody wants that can say amen. 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 God calls us upward. Calls us upward. In fact, um, Philippians tells us that it's the upward call of God that is in Christ Jesus. Upward, higher in our living, higher in our thinking. Our living and our thinking. In fact, here at New Life Church, one of our core values is to be kingdom-minded. We say it this way, that we value the ways of the kingdom of God over the ways of the world. But to have this kind of mindset doesn't just happen by osmosis or doesn't just happen when you get born again. It happens when we choose and intentionally pursue to have this kind of mindset, this, kind, this type of frame of mind, and we call it kingdom-minded. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says you have the mind of Christ. And so to have this kind of mind, to have a kingdom mindset and mentality about God, about life, about ourself. We have to choose it. Listen to some of these examples out of Romans 12 too. Paul says it's a choice to actually be renewed in our mind. We must choose to be renewed. His, uh, to, to, uh, to have that happen to us, to, to pursue that, that we must want God to do this. Ephesians six seventeen it outlines the... Uh, the armor of God. And one of that piece, one of the pieces of the armor is the helmet of salvation, which sign- and Paul tells us in that teaching, in that text, to put the helmet of salvation on. I mean, you've got to physically, spiritually, put it on. Choose to wear the helmet of salvation, meaning I wear the mind of Christ. My mind is going to be like Jesus. It's the mind of Christ, pure and holy and strong and mighty and creative and all of those things. In Philippians 4, 8, Paul teaches us to choose to fix our thoughts on things that are good. 
things that are higher, things that are heavenly, things that are noble, things that are righteous, things that are pure. But it's a choice to fix our mind on the right kind of things. And in 2 Corinthians 10, it outlines part of our spiritual weapon, part of our spiritual weaponry that we have is this, is that we must choose that we can capture every disobedient thought to Christ. That we can take every thought and make it, a ca- and, and, and make it uh, captive to the obedience of Christ. But it's a choice to do any of those things. It's a choice. If you and I want to have the right frame of mind, the, 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 what I mean by that is a kingdom mind, which is what we're called to live by as born-again believers. We're called to have the mind of Christ. When we get saved, it opens that up to have the mind of Christ, to think like God, to have His mindset through His Word as He speaks to us, that we must choose it. We must desire it. We must pursue it. We must want it to happen. It doesn't just happen. So today I want to talk to you today about having a kingdom mind, and we're going to use um, Matthew 4, as we already declared, and, and the Scriptures declared, as God said in Isaiah 55, His thoughts and His, his ways are higher and they're better than us, our ways and our thoughts. Uh, is God better than us? Absolutely. Absolutely He's better than us. He's better than anybody. But the difference with him being better than anybody is he's not an arrogant per, uh, being. He knows it because he created us. He is all. Everything stems from him, is in him, and through him, and by him. And he is God. And he is better than us. But he also calls us to, to go upward with him, to climb higher, to look to him, to have a better mind, a kingdom mind. So out of this text here in Matthew 4, Jesus encounters three voices I know that the devil is the one behind all of it, but I think Scripture, it it, it reveals three different types of voices that are always fighting for our attention to discredit us from having a kingdom mind. In every situation... And every aspect of life, whether whatever it is, you name it, from, from, a, from an individual standpoint, having the right kind of perception, from, from looking and viewing other people, having the right kind of perception, and from, from situations, from circumstances, you, you name it, across the board, every aspect, you and I can have a kingdom mind. You and I can have a kingdom mind about everything. And God wants us to have that because as long as we're on earth, we've got a life to live. And if we're going to live this life aiming to please God, then, man, we've got to have the right frame of mind, and that's called a kingdom mind. And so these three different voices, the voice of the devil, the voice of our flesh, and the voice of the world, this is what this story shows us. The voice of the devil, the voice of our flesh, and the voice of the world. And so Jesus, being in the wilderness, goes in, and as we're in the wilderness of this world until we go to heaven, we're in this wilderness of a world, we've got to have the right kind of mind, and we can do it. We can live this life with an overcoming life, as long as we have the right kind of mind, a kingdom mind. The voice of the devil is the first voice that's bidding, fighting for our attention to discredit us from having a kingdom mind. The voice of the devil. 1 Peter 5.8, it's on the screen, says this. If you're writing notes, 1 Peter 5.8, the apostle Peter says, Stay alert. Quit sleeping in church. Quit dreaming about hot wings. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Jesus even is, he even he describes him and defines the devil as this, the father of lies. That's where we get the devil is a lie, the father of lies. The devil is a liar. And Jesus said he's the father of lies. 
And he's also, the Bible also defines him as the accuser of the brethren. And if anything, man, the devil likes to accuse. He'll use people. He'll whisper. He'll, he'll, he'll set things up to make us look bad. But that doesn't mean we're bad. Because that means it's the devil's doing his job description. He's a liar and he's an accuser. And it's all, what really matters is what does God think? What does God think about me? What does God have to say about me? What does God believe about me? 31,000, over 31,000 verses in this, in this book, in the Bible. God has a lot to say about life. Why is it so big? Why couldn't he just could condense it? You know, like just, you know, like 31 chapters, and I could read a chapter a day every, every day for a month and repeat that, and I'll be good. There's, there's a lot to say about life. There's a lot of history here about where we come from and about where we're going, about what awaits each and every one of us. But the devil, is a, he's a liar, and he's an accuser. And here's the deal. Don't listen to his voice. Don't listen, through pe- listen to it through people, and don't listen to it on your own accord. But that's what he does. And, and Peter tells us, hey, stay alert, watch out, pay attention, because the devil's on the prowl. He's looking to destroy your life. That's all. Looking to destroy your life. And in, in here, in this instance, the devil tells Jesus, hey, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread, man. Go ahead, you hungry? Turn them over to bread. What does, that, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us this, that basically he says this, take God out of the equation. You don't need him. You can make life happen for yourself. You don't need him. You can make life happen for yourself. Go ahead, turn the stones into bread. In fact, this voice, the devil's voice, tries to get us to doubt God all the way around. Bottom line, tries us to, dis, to doubt God all the way around, especially on God's commands and God's care for us. I mean, it started at the very beginning. By chapter, chapter 2, God took Adam and Eve, put them in the garden, planted them there, said, here's where you're going to live, you're going to work, you're going to have life and all this stuff, but here's the deal. There's some trees and fruit here that you can't eat from. There's one, in fact, a knowledge of good and evil, you can't eat from it. If you eat from it, you're going to die. You will surely die. And then by chapter 3, it said, the serpent came along more cunning and crafty than any other creature God had ever created, and he came to Eve and he said, did God really say? Did God really say sowing, doubt? And the story goes on. The rest is history because we're all fallen creatures because of the fallen man in chapter 3. Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord because they bought into the lie of the enemy. He caused them to doubt God's commands. God said, don't do this. If you do this, there's consequence. You will die. They did it. So, God, so the devil tries to get you and I to doubt God's commands. But he also tries to get us to doubt that God cares that God loves, that God desires us. Because by the end of that story, it said it was the Lord himself who took fig leaves and covered Adam and Eve. It was the Lord. The Lord showing in your fallen state, in your disobedience, I want you to still know I have you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to take care of you. If you will look at me, if you will look to me, and trust me, I'm the one who cares for you. So the devil tries to get us to doubt God's commands and doubt God's care. Because when we fall, when we sin, when we know we make mistakes and we fall short of the glory of God, what happens? Condemnation piles up on our shoulders. Condemnation on each shoulder. You know, the devil on one side, the angel on the other side. And who's going to win? Who are we going to give the most attention to? 
And condemnation tries to pull us down and weigh us down while God's trying to pull us up and bring us up. It all depends on which voice we listen to the most. Because the devil's always going to lie and he's always going to accuse to make you feel bad, look bad, and all that stuff. But God is not that way. Amen. Aren't you glad he is not that way? Because Jesus said, what does Scripture say? He said, man doesn't live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. I'm going to listen to what my God has to say. God, what do you have to tell me? What is it that you're trying to get to me? What is it you want me to understand? What direction should my life go in? And he has guidance. In fact, in that same context of 1 Peter 5, where, G, where Peter says, look out for the devil, just before that he says, cast all of your cares onto God. Why? Because God cares for you. That's why. All of us have cares. Every human being has care. We all have cares. We all have concerns. We all have things that weigh us down. And we're told, hey, quit trying to carry your cares around. Let God do that. Let God do that. This morning I was sitting at the table just going over some things for this morning and, and, and Callie, my, my four-year-old, about to be five-year-old, uh, was just playing with Play-Doh and she was talking and, and all this stuff and she, she was, I forget exactly what she was saying in the context of her story, but it came out, God can do, God does everything. We don't have to do it all, God does it all. And I'm like, babe, there's some truth to that. I said, true to that, God does it. God takes our cares if we'll give them to him. So what cares do you have today? Don't listen to the lies of the heirs over. Trust and believe that God cares for you, and he wants you to turn your cares over to him. The voice of our flesh. Are you rolling with me? Amen. Talking about having a kingdom mind. The voice of our flesh. Sec, uh, excuse me, Galatians 5, 17, Scripture's on the screen for time, says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of the sinful, of what, uh, excuse me, this, eh, I lost my place. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. See, the voice of the devil is a deceptive mindset. The voice of our flesh is a self-serving mindset. And so the voice of the flesh, as the devil portrayed it, he said, hey, took him up to a high city and told him, jump off. Just jump off. God will take care of you. In other words, this part of our voice, the voice of our flesh, tries to get us to do what we want to do. What makes me happy? What makes me feel good? What makes me feel self-entitled to have whatever kind of life I want to have? And, we don't, and it does not take into consideration what others think, especially those who love us. And it does not take into consideration what God Thinks. It bypasses the right kind of people that we need in our life, what they think, and it bypasses what God thinks, and it goes straight to what do I think, God? What do I want? What does go, what's going to make me happy? What's going to please me? What's going to bring me the most joy? What's going to bring me the most satisfaction? And the problem with that mentality is it's a very carnal mentality because it's a very self-serving mentality. When you and I do not consult what, what God wants... 
and we do what we want, then it's all about self-serving. And here's the deal with that. That path goes down a dead-end street. It never leads to fullness. It never leads to life. It never leads to true joy. It never leads to real happiness. It never leads to full, uh, fulfillment or any of those things because it's all about me, myself, and I, the voice of our flesh. Why do we do the things we do sometimes? Because we only think about ourselves a lot of times. It's in our nature. It's in the carnal, sinful, fleshly nature of us as humans. We become navel gazers. You know what a navel gazer is? Everybody's got one. You might have an innie or an outie, but you got one. And you just, you just are looking down. You're just constantly thinking, what do I want? What's going to feed me? What's going to make me happy? What is going to bring me joy? What? And then you start playing with the fuzz in your belly button or all that stuff, and you're like, you know, what's going to, what's, is anybody, nobody's paying attention to me anyway. So, you know, and we live that way with our head down, and we don't pay attention to anybody around us, much less, God, what do you want to, what do you got to say? Why? Because we live self-serving a lot of times. We don't think to consider what do you think, God? Right? If you're in a, ever in a position, ever in a place of life, which you will be and you have been, you'll always be in places of life where you're unsure, uncertain. And you're like, ah. The best advice is don't do it. Wait until you hear from the Lord. Consult Him. Wait for Him. Then if you've got to expand that and say, hey, the Scriptures teaches that there is safety in a multitude of counselors. It's okay to ask other people so long as you're asking the right kind of people what they think. Don't go asking for people who's going to tell you what you always want to hear. Ask for the real truth from those who really care about you and who love you, who actually are godly and been following the Lord. Ask those people, people in here, people around you that God puts there. So the devil says, hey, jump off, do what you want. Don't take into consideration what God wants. And Jesus comes back with him and he says, hey, you must not test the Lord your God. That's what the scriptures tell us. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, in this same context of uh, the carnal nature, the sinful nature, and what it leads to, Paul admonishes us and says this, follow the Spirit's leading in every aspect of your life. There's not a part of any of our lives that is not subject to the entrance and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. God does it, he, he's there to help lead us and guide us according to His ways, according to His will, according to what He has for us. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My ways are better. My thoughts are higher. Just, get, just deal with that because I'm better than you. But I'm not going to leave you down there. I sent myself to be there. I sent my son in the flesh to know what it's like to suffer, to know what it's like to deal with issues. I, I sent myself to be there to know how you really feel. God knows how we feel. Every single one. He knows how we feel. Every aspect of our life. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to lead us and not our flesh. Amen? Voice number three, the voice of the world. The voice of the world. 1 John 2, 15, 16 says this. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving... For physical pleasure, you catch that? The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving 
for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. And he says this, these things, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. Sounds like the world has a lot to offer us, but it doesn't last very long. The way the world thinks, the way its systems are set up. And so the devil said, look, here, you can have it all. The kingdoms of this world, you can have it all. Just kneel down and worship me. The voice of this world tries to get me to revolve my life around it and what it stands for, its values, its ideals, its humanistic approaches, etc. It offers me everything in return for my worship. In other words, this mindset, this voice is an idol worship mindset. The devil's voice, deceptive. The flesh voice, our flesh, self-serving. The world's voice, idol worship. What it has to say. I know in our modern world we don't think about worshiping idols like carved carved images and golden statues, but we have them. They exist just in different shapes and forms and sizes and ways this day and this hour, but we have idols in our life. And the world is proud to offer, I say it this way, the world always has to say something, but it never really has something to say. In other words, it's got, fire, it's got smoke in its chimney, but no fire in its pit. Looks right, looks good, sounds right, appealing, enticing. It's going to make me a lot of money. It's going to get me a lot of attention. I can get a lot of raises that way. I can do a lot of things with that money. I can get places. I can go places. I can do things. Whatever it might be in this world, you cheat the system, it cheats you. You bypass and go the shortcuts, they'll come around one day and they'll bite you where it hurts. Always. What comes around goes around. And yeah, let me just tell you, It stinks when you see other people advance and get ahead and do things when you know they cheated the system and you're trying to do things the right way. And you always feel like you're held back. But let me tell you, it never lasts forever. It never lasts forever. Do things right. Do things honorable. Approach life with integrity. Honor God first. Keep Him first. All those things that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you'll have what you need if you seek first, what? The kingdom of God. And God will always add to your life what you need when you need it. Sometimes I'm like, I'd like to have a little more of that now. And He's like, you can't handle it now. It's not good for you to have it now. Instead of trying to figure it out and question how can I get it now, just focus on seek first the kingdom of God. God, you know what's up. You know what's around the corner. You know what's really in my heart. You know, trust him, seek him, put him first. God has a way of getting you the things you need. He has a way of making things work out according to his time. Again, Isaiah 55, 
think somebody needs to hear this today. My ways and my thoughts are not yours. They're better and they're higher. Let me think for you and allow me to put that in you. And then as you read the word and you get into the word and you pursue a relationship with me, God says, then you begin to know what to do and how to do it and how to think. Talking about having a kingdom mindset. So the world always has to say something, but it never really has something to say. The world's loud. The world's proud. The world's bodacious. The world's bold. The world's brutal. It is a dog-eat-dog world. We live in it. But here's the thing about believers. Followers of Christ, we're not of it. We live in it, but we're not of it. We don't ignore the world. We don't shame the world. We don't condemn the world. We don't judge the world. Right? We're called to win the world. How can we go about doing that? Having the right kind of mind, a kingdom mind. Amen? So Jesus said to his response, hey, I'm done. Get out. Get out of here, Satan. Leave me alone. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Scripture says in John, 1 John 2, 17, at the end of that text, he says, this world is fading away. This world is fading away along with everything in it that people crave. So everything you and I and the whole world longs for that's not right is all going to pass away. You ain't going to take anything with you. You might put it in your casket, but it is not going to transfer with your soul to heaven. It will stay buried in the casket. You're better off just giving it to somebody else. Everything in this world that we crave, man, it ain't going to last. But it sure does make me feel good, right? It sure does give me some good feeling sometimes. None of it's, not saying all of it's bad or any of that. God's not even doing that. He's defining this as this. Who's, who's real? Who's right? Who's first? Who's real? Who's right? And who's first in your life? Keep that and you're going to be good. In the sense of your soul and your spirit. So Jesus said that. He said, hey, worship the Lord your God only. Do what pleases God. John tells us, do what pleases God. And here's what happens. You live forever. You live forever, eternity with God. So we have a choice. We're called to have a kingdom mind, but we've got to choose to wear it, choose to embrace it, choose to develop it. It doesn't just happen. We have to pursue it. I've got a story for you. Got a story for you. Mariah, could you come... Anybody ever heard of Leonardo? Not DiCaprio. Not the Ninja Turtle. Da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci, the great painter, sculptor, inventor, all that. Most famous painting, The Last Supper. The Last Supper. It's one of the most copied and sold works of art in all of history. Here's the thing, it took Da Vinci 20 years to finish that painting. 20 years. And the reason is because it was so difficult at that time to find the right kind of people who could pose as models. In fact, he had problems in starting the painting because he couldn't find a model who could actually represent Jesus. 
Someone who could reflect in his face purity, nobility, and the loveliest feelings. Also, the model needed to possess extraordinary manly beauty. And finally, he found a young man with these characteristics and was the first figure that he painted in the picture. Later, he went on looking for the twelve apostles that he painted all together, leaving Judas Iscariot's spot open. Why? Because he couldn't find a suitable model. It had to be a person of mature age who had a face with the traces of betrayal, greed. And that is why the painting remained unfinished for a long time. Until they told him of a terrible criminal who had been taken prisoner. Da Vinci went to see him, and he was exactly the Judas he wanted to finish his work. So he asked the mayor to allow the prisoner to pose for him. The mayor, knowing the master's fame, gladly accepted, set it up, ordered it. The prisoner was taken, chained, accompanied by two guards. And during all that time, the prisoner showed no signs of emotion. No signs for having been chosen as the model, but remained completely quiet and distant. And finally, when da Vinci was satisfied with the painting and the result, he called the prisoner over and showed him the painting. And when the prisoner saw it, He was greatly impressed and he fell to his knees crying, sobbing. Surprised, Da Vinci asked, why are you crying? To which the prisoner responded, Master Da Vinci, don't you remember me? After looking at him carefully, Da Vinci said, no, I've never seen you before. Crying and asking for forgiveness from God, the prisoner said, Master Da Vinci, I am the young man you chose 19 years ago to represent Jesus in the same painting. Mm. There's a lot in that story. But for today, I would say that man, over 19 years, gave his ear to the wrong voices and set up in his mind the wrong kind of mindset for which to live and from which to live. He developed the wrong mind because he listened to the wrong voices. Friends, what voice voices are you listening to the most? What voices are you listening to the most? I would propose to you today for all of us is this, is that may we, may we cherish the voice of God. Because the more we listen to the voice of God, the more of a kingdom mind you and I will have. You don't want to go through life with a carnal mind. The mind of the flesh, it leads to destruction. Oh, you might get ahead and here or there for a while. You might get what you want here or there for a while. You might get your way here or there. Trust me, trust the book. It doesn't end well. You're going to be right back where you started. And don't listen to the lies of the enemy that tells you, hey, you can't be forgiven. 
You can't be redeemed. You can't be delivered. Those things in your life that are hard to break, those habits, those curses, those strongholds, if you listen to the lie of the enemy, he's saying there's no hope for you. Why do you even try? That's the lie of the devil. And he brings back up, look what you did last week. Look what you did last month. Look at all of these times you messed up and really, really let people down. If you listen to that voice, you'll never achieve the purpose for which you were created. I do not believe that any person's created on accident. I believe you're here by purpose, God's purpose for your life. And if you don't want to go through life listening to what the world says, come on. They might say some good things, good sounding things. But whatever is said, if it's not rooted from here, the Bible, it's never going to turn out right. What does God have to say about your life? What does God have to say about living? And I know we, we live in a troubled time. We live in a perplexing and tumultuous time. And it's confusing at times. It is disheartening at times. What voice are you going to listen to? You see, the thing is, God's voice is rooted in God's Word. And here's what God's Word says about God's voice. And listen, listen to this. Psalm 23. Just listen. I'm not reading the actual psalm. I'm reading what His voice brings. God's voice brings peace and rest to our lives. God's voice brings the restoration of righteousness to our lives. Right standing with God. That I'm good. With him. My heart is good with him. God's voice brings comfort and protection to our lives. God's voice brings favor and blessing to our lives. Don't have to cheat the system, don't have to do it my way. God's voice does it for me. Follow him. And lastly, God's voice brings unfailing love to our lives. We are all in search of love. Our heart wants to be loved, and our heart wants to love. It's in us. What voice are we going to listen to? What voice do you give your ear to the most. And friend, having a kingdom mind is directly tied to listening to the voice of God. And I know, here's the deal, I know sometimes we don't want to hear what He has to say because it's going to upset the apple cart. It's going to overturn it. It's going to mess with us. 
our flesh, our carnal part of us, what we really want. We battle that. We battle that. We battle the lie of the enemy. We battle what the world has to say, man. But just think about it. If you're going to fulfill your purpose and destiny in God on this life, you need a kingdom mind. You got to choose it every day. I know the battle's real, y'all. I know the struggle's real, y'all. The struggle is real. We're exposed to more things today than we ever have been in our entire life. So many voices, so many anthems, so many causes, so many approaches, so many thoughts, so many ideals, so many ideas. But do they stem from God's voice?